0: Welcome to Expanding Your Faith, a podcast hosted by Bishop Greer Godsey of the Old Catholic Churches International. Expanding Your Faith brings together a panel of well-educated clergy and laity to discuss modern events with a biblical perspective. Our podcast is about to start. Please stay tuned. to expanding your faith i'm bishop greer and joining me tonight is father matt greetings and uh reverend mark hello everyone and so uh tonight we're going to talk about the responsibility of christians in the world uh what jesus kind of expects of us uh to do um you know a lot of people uh have this mentality that um, being a Christian means you just sit in the pew on Sunday morning and God just magically blesses you with all the graces and everything to be this holy and perfect person uh, just by sitting in the pew um, but we believe that you know part of faith is that you live that faith you go out and you practice that faith and Uh, Your faith will inspire you to do certain things in the community, certain works, uh, good works and things. And that Jesus expects that of us. Um, And so we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, today. Um, One of the uh, stories that I love when it comes to uh, discussing this is the story of the sheep and the goats. I think it gives the uh, perfect example of what Jesus expects of us um, when it comes to being uh, Christians. And uh, unfortunately I don't think a lot of Christians today listen to it or follow it. Um, but uh, we find this in Matthew 25, starting in verse 31, on um, actually starting in verse 32 on. It says, All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand, and the goats at his left. So I think it's a great spot to start uh, this podcast on what our responsibilities are as Christians is kind of this idea of what Jesus expects of us. Uh, Reverend Mark, your thoughts. I'm uh, brought
1: to a post that I saw a friend of mine throw up on Facebook the other day where it says, um, I'm paraphrasing it, but it was basically saying, that we're way too focused on what everybody else's sin is and we're overlooking everything in our lives and i responded in the comment i said that's very true i said what most people call wrong or sin based on quote unquote scripture is completely different than what god Says is wrong and calls sin based on scripture. And this is a perfect example where the hyper focus of a lot of quote unquote church, I'll just say churchgoers, I really don't like to use the term Christian for people that aren't Christ like, because that's what the term is for, or meant is, you know, someone who is a Christian is like just like Christ is the hyper focus on the things that they think is important to God, and that's running around and uncovering everybody else what they're wrong, what that, what everybody else is wrong is looking at everybody else and saying, you know, you're a sinner, you're sinner, you're sinner. You know, it's 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 hard for me to be tossing the stones at folk if I'm washing their feet, right. and that's really the message that Jesus lived, and then of course demonstrated to the disciples, and that is, you know, you serve others, and you and the Holy Spirit work on yourself to grow to become that life of love and so forth. And we, we've become very complacent because we've become comfortable in the Western church here in America. And, you know, we're very comfortable in our buildings. We're not led to being prodded out of our comfort zones of gossiping or being bigoted or looking at somebody else that's different than us and shunning them those are all the things that we're not supposed to be that's right and that we're supposed to turn from and that we're supposed to look at our neighbors and say hey i'm i'm here to To show you that light and that love, and we're like we were talking about last week. God is the one uh, who is there to um, to to remind the Holy Spirit's there to remind us and to work on other people. Right? Not that's not our job. Our job is to present the light of the gospel, the love of the gospel, and. Um, You know, Proverbs 14 tells us he who despises their neighbor, or they, who despises their neighbor is guilty of sin, right? I don't see that preached in the pulpit much. So if we despise those that come across our path, then the Bible calls us sinners, not that person. And it doesn't matter what that person's doing it you know that person may be a saint or an angel or whatever or they may be the worst drug addict or um uh, swindler or robber or whatever walking the face of the earth Uh, our job is not to sit here and go oh you're i'm holier than you I've got to overlook you. No, it's to welcome them and clothe them, offer them drink, offer them help, and so forth.
2: So, my take on the current landscape, if you will, has always been a focus of trying to get people out of the mindset as much as possible. So a lot of my homilies, you can relate to the or note this and confirm it, but have been focused on what can we do to engage ourselves outside of this box we call church. Yep. And and focus on looking at the community around us and see the things that Christ was seeing in His day and do the things that Christ was doing in His day right to forward and make the kingdom of God here on earth because that's really what Jesus was about. Jesus was was about being the Messiah, yes, because we name and proclaim him as the Messiah. But he wasn't the warrior tribal leader that everybody was looking for. He was the Messiah to bring about the kingdom of God. Through a reign of peace, harmony, and bettering the world.
1: Yeah, he wasn't—he so, wasn't storming the the gathering of the Sanhedrin or the or yeah. the Pharisees or all these people. He, they, they they weren't showing up to Imperial Rome and beating like down devout. the beating down the doors. Which and, is
2: why the Pharisees didn't lock, stock, and barrel believe in Jesus, because it was this it, they were looking for very specific things
0: right they were looking for the conqueror
2: they were they yeah they their version of the, of the messianic prophecy was Rome's gonna fall well Rome did fall because of the Messiah but it was after the Messiah died yeah
1: well so, and the conqueror was coming first to offer us a way to conquer in the spiritual realm and to give us the strength and so forth—it's just, you know, that wishful thinking that a lot of times Christians fall into, uh, instead of living by faith and saying, "Okay, God knows what what He's doing."
0: And Paul eventually gets to that point too himself. Paul kind of spent time vacillating between, "Should we be Jewish or should we not be Jewish?" and, and you know. uh uh, is Jesus coming back, you know, in five minutes to be the conqueror, or is He not coming back, you know? And but Paul in First Thessalonians five twelve through twenty one says, "But we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you, and have charge of you in the Lord, and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love, because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, bro- beloved." to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of the prophets, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. You know, Paul is uh, once again reiterating this idea that we're supposed to go out and help others and do good and, and, you know, do works of charity and kindness to all those around us versus this idea that a lot of modern Christians have of. You know, going out there and converting by the edge of a sword, you know?
2: Nowhere in that message did it say, go out into the world and be a Karen.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of that is Old Testament based where, you know, you see <clears throat> the command from in, to Israel when they were fighting to, you know, not spare their enemies and so forth. And... <clears throat> They like to skip over the passage of scriptures like in Proverbs where, you know, they that, that give to the poor lend to God and stuff of that nature. And then you when, when you move over into the Gospels and then in the epistles, you know, you're not seeing you're not seeing that combative state coming out. Uh, you know, Paul's writings about the weapons of our warfare are all spiritual, you right. know. Right. And he's trying to paint a picture that <clears throat> there indeed is a struggle within the spirit realm and within ourselves sometimes, which is true. I mean, we, we often fight our thoughts to, as Paul just said, don't repay evil for evil. We have to fight that some days. We have to, <laughs> We you know, when someone's gossiped about us... Um, we have to, in Paul's letter here, is lift them up and, and, and encourage them. and, and um, But you want to give them a piece of your mind. That's the right. default. And so um, a lot of the churches come to this place of, you know, we have to be that aggressor in the natural versus praying and believing, and with fervency of prayer, bringing our requests to God uh, to move and work on our leaders, both in and out of the church, to move and to help us uh, with creative ways to minister to those that are poor among us and so forth, and um, you know to help those that uh, are in desperate need. I, Uh, You know, not every problem that we have spiritually and mentally in the church is because of, quote-unquote, the devil. Sometimes we need answers brought even into the church to help us heal from things that are just of a physical nature or a mental nature and so forth. And so we lose that, like you said, breaking out of those four walls mentality, we lose that by becoming hyper-focused on this coming into a combative state. And I've been around these those type of people. I've been around those type of folks. And not understanding that first we have to get things lined up In our hearts spiritually and get that correct before we start running out tackling i've always said this a lot of times churches don't grow because they're in such shambles god wouldn't dare bring somebody to put it in the middle of a a broken mess some churches need to heal before they can grow right that's a i mean god's not going to subjugate the poor, the needy, the widow, right. the orphan up under a bunch of people that are all bleeding all over each other in the spirit, right. you know, spiritually.
0: Right. We have to be willing to go out to the world too and, and bring uh, love and compassion and kindness and empathy into the world. And that starts with those who are the least among us, you know, the poor and the homeless, the needy, you know, um, uh, the reality is that that's what we'll be known for, and that's that's what will determine whether we make it into heaven or not, is what we have done for the least of these in our midst, and if what we have done is shun them and turn them away, oh, I'm sorry. You can't come into church because your clothes are all tattered and dirty, and 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 I can't help you because, and this is this is common in the south. I can't help you because you're going to go off and buy beer, or you're going to go off and buy drugs, or you're going to. It's not for us to decide whether a person is worthy of help. Right. It is for, it is our responsibility to help others. That's right. Period. And what they do with that help is between them and God. Right. That's not our responsibility. Just like it's not our responsibility what goes on in somebody's bedroom. Right. You know. Say, we are,
1: say that one louder.
0: Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what uh, two consenting adults do in the privacy of their home. You know. Yet we tend to make that our focus rather than the things that the Bible says we should be doing. Yeah. And that is helping others. Being there for others. Caring for others. Especially the, the sick and the poor and the homeless and the prisoner and the w- widow and the orphan. You know, that's, that's what we're called to do.
1: Uh-huh. I, I sent I don't know if I sent both of y'all or just, I think I sent both of y'all a a little video of this guy who was throwing out some statistics that over a period of about, I don't know, six months or so, this group started tracking where um, his point was that it's not drag queens that are out there grooming children and so on and so forth. And he was talking about how over a period of time, I forget how long the the study was I think, said six I think it was there was like 780 some odd 727 cases, cases. I 700, remember that yeah. yep. 727 cases of uh, pedophilia uh, and people that had molested children um, actual child molestations and th- it was either 13 or 20%, 20%. of the people yeah. were pastors or clergy
0: people in churches yeah.
1: and of that whole whole group
0: 13% were from
2: evangelical
1: mm-hmm. backgrounds zero were drag queens and only two were transgender individuals out of that whole just period
0: yeah.
1: and so what it tells me is the hyper focus I'm, I'm not trying to make a debate, what I'm trying to point out is the hyper-focus on certain things in the church or in the legislation or so forth from, quote-unquote, Christians that are state representatives and so on, is so far off from what the gospel's talking about that we we lose ourselves in these needless arguments. And the Bible warns us against engaging in needless arguments and um you know i i I had a uh, a board member years ago who was uh, a marine and he used to say i don't have time for that foolishness and he would just move on from needless conversations and sometimes i don't even want to justify talking about that needlessness What I think is important for us is to reorient ourselves back to this message of separating the sheep and the goats. And for several weeks now, I've been talking about embracing that love through uh, Galatians 5, talking about living our liberty, loving one another, loving our neighbors, and loving God, and living that out and making sure that we are focused on what, The basics are, because it's so easy to get distracted by everybody yelling and screaming about stuff that's pointless, that's not mattering, and get back to, there's some real people. If you've got people in the church that are doing these type of things to other individuals, to children, we've got some serious issues, and it's not drag queens. We've got some serious issues where people are not getting... The help, they're not getting the actual ministry in the healing for some deep-rooted issues inside of their mental faculties that they need. Right. And so we're over here focused on this mess off to the right, or to and God is saying, "Hey, over here, I need you to," because I also look at that scripture as far as the poor, the needy, and the destitute. Not just people that are on the streets, but there are some destitute people sitting in the pews Amen. that are so spiritually bankrupt, if you will, so dry, so whatever. They're all, they're about to end their life. They're about right. to do something horrible to another person. And those individuals as well, what are we offering them? Right. Are we offering them that drag queens shouldn't read books to people? Children, or are we up here talking about the living water from the Spirit and the living water from God saying, If you're thirsty, come to Jesus, and He will give you that water that you need. Jesus will give you that rest, and we're here to help you. We may not be able to produce it ourselves, God may work through us, but if at least let us point you to God. Let right. us at least right. Right. point you in the direction. And, you know, that's been my message. I, 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 it's not my job to judge whether you're worthy of love. God commands me to love you Precisely. despite what I think. And God deems us all worthy of love. And that's, right. that's, where, I, that's, where, that's where it stops for me. Sorry, I didn't mean to get into a, a lengthy no, rant.
0: Actually, <laughs> I, had, I had already pulled up very much what you were about to say. Um, that, that's why I started smiling, is the, <laughs> because I was going that direction the whole, you know, we got to drop the foolishness thing. Mm-hmm. James chapter 1, verse 19 uh, says, You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak. Mm-hmm slow to anger, for your anger does not produce God's righteousness. Therefore rid yourself of all sordidness, and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if there are any hearers of the word, and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in the mirror. For they look at themselves, and on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doings. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for the orphan and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. I want to highlight that one more time if there are any that if any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts their religion is worthless so those that engage in that foolishness of of uh, denigrating and abusing people that are poor people that are homeless People that are LGBT, people that are trans, people that are uh, uh, poor, that are lower status socially, uh, that are women, that are, you know, whatever criteria they use to judge and, and, and uh, malign and abuse others, they're not practicing Christianity. They're practicing a dead religion. A religion that is worthless. And James makes it clear that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To care for the orphan and the widow in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world.
1: What's the old leadership motto? Majoring on the minor?
0: That's right. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's what's so very important here. And James sums it up so well in this passage. And that's that's kind of why I was smiling is that you know mark was was starting into that path ahead of me there uh, but it, it is it, it we focus too much on the the minutia and not enough on what is important and the minutiae is this idea of it's our job to police everybody else's sins to police everybody else's daily life instead of helping others. Yep. You're not helping them by pointing out their faults. They already know their faults. Uh, trust me, I know my faults better than anybody else in this room, anybody else online. I, I know my faults better than any of you. I don't need you to come and tell me what my faults are. I need you to pray for me, I need you to support me as I work to correct those faults. I need you to be that hand to help lift me up out of the dark times that I fall into. I don't need you to make matters worse. And as churches, that's what we sadly tend to do, is we tend to make matters worse. For the people sitting in the pew, we make them feel less than. We make them feel unworthy of love, unworthy of God. And then we wonder why they never come back to church. Exactly. You know? Well, if they don't feel welcome, they don't feel loved, they don't feel like this is a place where I can grow. And they're going to help me grow. They're going to walk this path with me. They're just going to go somewhere else. Or never go anywhere else at all. They may just give up on religion, give up on God altogether.
1: And I was... This will sound like a super criticism, but try to hear me out on this. I was raised in 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 a denomination where we would, you know, the ministers or people would stand up, the prayer, you know, the prayer warriors would quote-unquote stand up, and they would talk about how, you know, they, they fasted all these days and that they prayed for hours and they would do this and they would do that and, you know, how they spent all these, you know, days and hours and study. And, you know, and you would just... You'd sit there and hear stuff like that, and you're like, oh, God, you know, I'm just a horrible believer. I just don't love God, and, you know, I'm not, you know, I used to think that if I don't spend, you know, all this time, and now, you know, hear me out. I'm not saying that that's not something that we should do, that fasting is obviously a healthy thing. It's a spiritual thing. Uh, Scripture talks a lot about that. Um, Prayer is a necessity and so on. But there's a reason why we were warned not to run around talking about our fasting and our praying out in public. Right. And why? Because what one person is able to accomplish in prayer and fasting versus what another person accomplishes in prayer and fasting could be two different things.
0: Absolutely.
1: And so I think it's important for us to stop judging what don't judge at all but stop running around and making everybody else feel like they're this you know small thing because they don't do all this other stuff that all this other all these other christians should do or that they do and it it really is a discouragement and we shouldn't be running around trying to get everybody to act just like us right you know let again let god deal with them let god direct them and how they should do because the way i live has to be completely different than the way other people live you know keep keep god focused but it has to be because my callings my purposes where i'm planted is different than other people we may have similarities but it's still different and so my direction from all on high may be different
2: I mean I'm all about planting seeds of conversation with people but when the seeds of conversation turn into judgment and bashing yeah. of individuals that's not godly
1: oh you don't pray for at least an hour? right, oh. right. versus I'll saying
2: versus saying like hey this spiritual practice is beneficial because of XYZ
1: Exactly.
0: So. Exactly. We have to, as uh, people of faith, we have to lead by example. You know, the reality is that you can preach to somebody all day long, but until you start leading by example, they're not going to follow what you say. Yep. They're going to look at you and go, whatever. You know. I can't tell you how many preachers
1: that I've been around, they'll get up and preach and preach and preach, and then you go back and you're one on one with them, and they are just the biggest gossipers, talk about people, don't care about their congregation, and you're going, oh my gosh.
2: How did you get ordained?
1: Yeah, how, how are, you know, and eventually people see through that. And. and you know, we shouldn't be up on a pedestal, but my Lord, as ministers, we should be at least attempting some semblance of leading.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> right. I mean, this whole conversation just spurs me back to the biggest quote attributed to St. Francis that St. Francis didn't actually say, which was <laughs> Go out into the world and proclaim the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words that's right
1: yeah and it's it, it happens when we're checking out at the grocery store when we're going we're on the phone with somebody yes those are the moments that we're living in the world and we're witnessing we we always think witnessing is again going into a neighborhood going door-to-door or going out to where the homeless individuals are and cornering them to where they can't get away and, and right. you know, beating him over the head with Scripture. That, that, that's not true. True witnessing is living a life in your, at your job, before your family, and so on and so forth. When given the opportunity to act like a crazy person, you choose to fall back to the nature of the Spirit. Right. I
2: mean, that's what drove me crazy about doing homeless ministry in Albany, Georgia is ours was the only one that did not preach at people before we gave them food. Yep. We didn't even preach. Right. We just handed food and had conversation with them. That's right. Everyone else, they brought down these trucks and trailers and set up stage and worship equipment and all this other crap that had nothing to do with feeding and clothing the lonely. It was, I mean, they they fed and clothed them, but they but they held them hostage before they got what they needed.
0: Yeah, and I'm reminded, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, addressed this when he was alive, and he says, "You cannot preach the word to someone in the pew whose stomach is is growling louder than you are." You know, the reality is we have to take care of people's. Needs physical needs first before we can ever hope to bring them into uh, salvation. Because if they're sitting there starving, you're not doing any good by holding them hostage to a message. Yeah.
1: Well, we we'd rather grandstand in front of a crowd of homeless people that are hungry than pulling ourselves. Off the stage and doing the one-on-one because what has again I've, I've, I fall over here into uh, American church. Yeah. If you don't have a bunch of numbers, oh right. we we went and we had five hundred that we fed and we did this and we were on stage. Yeah. How about how many people did you come off the stage and spend some one-on-one time with? Oh, you didn't. Why? Because they probably didn't smell the best. They probably didn't have the best smelling breath because they're homeless. They didn't have, they might have been on something. And so your conversation wasn't uh, overly constructive. And you know what? That's what people don't want to do because that's that's one-on-one ministry. And I'm not saying that crowds are, I mean, Jesus talked to multitudes and crowds. We, we see that, but we also see in scripture where he spent time one-on-one. And so, if we can't grandstand, a lot of preachers don't want to come. You know, I, I, again, I was in this the inve, the evangelical church, particularly the Pentecostal churches, where some preachers wouldn't even come to your church if you didn't have a certain number in the pews, right. or right. they wouldn't even come to your church unless you could guarantee them a, an offering of ten thousand. These are preachers yeah. and ministers. Right. And they're wanting to know how many people are going to show up to their service because we've moved from how God constitutes success over into what we constitute success, and our success has revolves around numbers. Right? There's some evangelists that I know they wouldn't show up for anything less than five hundred to a thousand people. Wow. Oh, you have a church of one hundred and fifty? Well, our schedule's full. We're sorry. Right, right. Okay. But
2: like, you can have our intern.
1: Yeah, yeah. But well, uh, let me recommend my, my uh, armor bearer come preach for you. Right, right.
0: Well, and, you know, this is why I like... Uh, I'm, I'm going to brag on MCC for just a minute because I want to give some ideas for people on how you can go out there and be doers of the word, not just hearers. Uh, MCC has taken to, they have a potluck once a month. And after the potluck is over, they take all the leftovers, which is usually a ton of food, and they box it up into individual boxes, uh, plates of food, and they take it out to the homeless here in Augusta, Georgia. And they distribute it. They don't go and preach to them. They don't stand down there and go, "Well, you got to listen to an hour sermon before I can give you this food." Okay. No, they just go down and hand them food. Yeah. Here, here's some food. You need some food. Here's some food. Yeah. You know, and and they'll have homeless people gather, yeah. um, uh, more than they can probably feed, mm-hmm. but gather around them to get the food. And they distribute about twenty boxes at a time, give or yeah. take. Yeah. You know, uh, to the homeless in, in Augusta, Georgia. You know, we're partnering with them this next time to send them out with toiletry items with that food, so that they have bottled water. They which they already have bottled water that they take, I think, uh, down there.
1: Yeah. Some. Yeah. Sometimes we do. Yeah.
0: And then. Uh, but they'll have bottled water, they'll have uh, uh, wash rags, they'll have uh, soap and shampoo and and razors and shaving cream and toothpaste and toothbrush and and combs and all this stuff that they can use to help make themselves feel better about themselves even though they're living on the street. And, you know, some personal hygiene items for them. In the winter time, we uh, somebody just sent us a whole slew of, of those thermal blankets, uh, the silver thermal blankets that we'll be giving out during the winter time, yeah. so that you know they can have something to wrap up in yep. and try to stay warm, you know. So these are little things you can do when when you're when you're downtown going to a restaurant. I don't care if it's McDonald's or if it's Luigi's or if it's, you know, some, you know, oh. five-star restaurant.
1: You said my favorite there, Luigi's. You,
0: know, and, and you see a homeless person who walks up and says, you know, can, I, can you spare a couple of bucks? What's stopping you from saying, hey, let me buy you something in here to eat? I've done that numerous times because I don't carry cash
2: with me anymore.
0: You know. Yeah. I, I've done it a lot. I, you know, Luna and I went to Firehouse a few weeks back, and there was this guy standing out in front, and he says, I'm really hungry because you spare a few bucks. And I said, I don't have any cash, but I tell you what, you tell me what you want off the menu in here, and I'll go order it for you and have him bring it to you. <coughs> and he was ecstatic. Yep. Absolutely ecstatic.
1: And sometimes, just when we hand the box to people, they'll immediately ask us to pray and then sometimes we hand the box to people and they take it and they scurry off i don't start running after them going oh wait 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 i need to give us our card we need to take your name so we can keep count we're doing that that mess (laughs) we go out there we feed people that are hungry that's right period i mean it it and you know what if they're if they're ready to be open for more they'll engage you if they're not Then you have fed somebody, and you have done an act of kindness and love. Period.
0: And if you don't feel that you're capable, because there are a lot of people, especially post-COVID, sure, who have anxiety, they have, uh, you know, health issues, they have whatever. You don't feel like you can go out and do it. Give to donate. Give to ministries that do that work. That's right. But I encourage you to find ministries that don't require them to sit through a message. Ministries like ours that just go and give and say here take it and do what you want, you know, that aren't there to preach to them and proselyze. And donate to them, you know, uh, if you're not able to go out and do it yourself. Because, you know, 10 bucks to our ministry can buy a lot of supplies that's right you know we can buy enough canned goods to fill 20 bags with with canned goods and these are the before you sit there and go well how how are you giving them canned goods how do they open them it's a pop-top canned goods okay or you can just pull the, the top off but you know that can of ravioli or that can of spaghetti or that can of soup can mean the difference between life and death for someone on the street. That's right. You know, so this is what being a doer of the word is about. But as Mark pointed out, it's also about when you're in the grocery store line not being a Karen to the yep. poor worker making minimum wage. Yeah. Who has no control over what that item just rang up as. That's right. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and over the phone or uh, talking to folks just the smallest of things um, particularly people you don't know you know uh... in my day job my line of work i have to deal with a lot of uh, well-established personalities and a lot of times over the phone uh... it can be a little hard and sometimes you have to push and folks there's ways to push you know to get your job done and things like that, that doesn't resort to you being less than a human being, right. and you know there's no sense in name calling. There's no sense in this and that. It it's it's being that representation of light. You can be a Christian without throwing scriptures or the Bible at folks. That's right. Exactly. It's called simple kindness and simple. You know, a soft answer turns away wrath. Uh, remembering those passages of scripture, uh, being courteous saying thank you uh, and no thank you or whatever it it doesn't mean you know the other night my, my family was in town and we went to a restaurant and they had to sit us at a smaller table because one of the larger tables that we had been told was going to come available shortly well the the people just lingered and lingered and lingered and lingered and they just kept lingering and so instead of throwing our hands up in the air, running out, saying, well, we're going to post this all over Facebook that y'all can't give us the table, you promised. (laughs) We just simply added a chair, accepted it, and guess what? We didn't starve. We weren't about to go. It's food, okay? And you were
2: comfortable at a table.
1: We were comfortable. We were a little closer than normal, but we were okay. And guess what? We're still living today. We're still breathing today. And we still have food in our bellies. And so the things that we major the minor things that we major on and blow out of proportion in the grand scheme of life it is not worth it and those are the things that we were taught in through Jesus to be kind and courteous in those moments and that you know that that's the real test of a christian not how many scripture verses that you can recite you know passage and verse but how much of that are you practicing How much are you putting in into the world? Because Jesus was putting it into the world, not keeping it locked up, but he was putting it into the world.
0: Right. Any final thoughts? Well, I think this has been a delightful podcast, as usual. And so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up on that note. I did want to uh, ask everyone to... uh, Uh, keep in prayer a dear friend of ours um, rabbi robert clinson um, he had a stroke about three or four months ago and um, i I spoke with a friend dear friend of mine uh, who's also a mutual friend of his and he is not doing well Uh, does not look like he is going to survive it and i just wanted to ask you all to pray for him and his family um, he's got a rather large family and, um, um, you know, pray for them as they go through this process uh, towards his final days here on earth. And uh, um, uh, highly respected rabbi, good man, uh, and, uh, um, that he will, uh, um, you know, pass peacefully and a family uh, for peace and comfort during this time of mourning. Uh, I appreciate that. And on that note, we're going to uh, say thank you to Reverend Mark and Father Matt for being here tonight. Thank you. And thank you, Bishop,
1: for hosting.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back next week with another exciting topic. No idea what it'll be yet. (laughs) It will be riveting. But it'll be riveting. I'm sure you all will enjoy. So until then, keep shining bright, my friends. You for joining us for this episode of expanding your faith. For more information on expanding your faith, check us out on facebook.com forward slash expanding your faith. We are available on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you find your podcasts. Until next week, when we once again attempt to expand your faith, keep shining bright.